And now, ladies and gentlemen, please fasten your seatbelts. Welcome to PreneurCast. Yeah, business cards being swapped, beers being drunk. Can I say a nasty word? Can I say procrastination? With Pete Williams and Don Gosher. How well did that go down? We'll talk about that entire thing in a very another rant and soapbox episode if you want to. Visit us online at PreneurMarketing.com. Hey gang, Pete here. Now let me be really quick this morning. As you know, Dom and I are having a short break from the show. We'll be back in just a couple of weeks with brand new live editions of the PreneurCast marketing podcast. But in the meantime, we're replaying some of the best episodes we've had over the past three years. But before I tell you about today's episode, can I ask a quick favor? If you're listening to our almost 150 shows but haven't left a review, please, please do so. Grab the application or the device you're listening to us on right now and give us a quick review or a rating. It really helps the show and we really do appreciate it. So quick thanks in advance. And now, let's get on to one of our better shows from early in the series. This episode was called Low Hanging Fruit, and Dom and I discuss a whole bunch of things that you can start doing to improve one or more of your business's seven levers straight away. No matter whether you're an online or offline business, a multi-million dollar business, or just a startup, there's absolutely one or two things from this show you can implement and benefit from straight away. So enjoy the show, don't forget to leave that review, and Dom and I will be back very, very shortly with brand new episodes. Speak to you then. So, you know, it's, it's kind of a, a culmination of a few questions that um, came back from the, the recent community survey we had. So it's sort of a few people asked that question in different ways. And it's also something that I think we spoke about maybe three or four episodes back where I kind of, you know, made the point um, which is kind of going to be ironic in a moment. And my point was that, you know, if someone says these are things you should be doing in your business, take that with a very big grain of sea salt because you've got to check the context and check the relevance to your business because not every business needs a website. And some businesses, Yellow Pages is still the best place to advertise. So horses for courses, message to market match. But I think there are a whole bunch of things that you know, we've spoken about on the podcast and on the blog and in various places that for the majority of businesses, these are going to be the low-hanging fruit for the business or for the entrepreneur to, to get more leverage in what you're doing. So I thought we could sort of just run through these today, touch on them, talk about some of them, dig deep on others, and just give people a bit of a mental checklist to go through and sort of think, okay, yes, I'm, I, I could be doing this in my business, uh, or no, it's not relevant to me, or I should really reinvestigate how I, I am doing this in my business and how I can do it better. So there's no real direct order to, to, the, to the list. It sort of just came about from sort of penning some ideas down. So there's not really categorized or anything. So it's a bit all over the shop, but I think it could be a, a really cool sort of just mental checklist for people to think, okay, am I doing all these things that you know are low-hanging fruit for a lot of businesses and a lot of entrepreneurs? Cool. Uh, so it's basically it's an ideas show, yeah? Pretty much. Cool. Let's crack on then. All right. So number one on my list was AdWords. Um, and I think this ties back into the uh, Preneur Hierarchy episode and that whole framework that we, we talk about a bit um, because, you know, with your marketing dollars, the best ROI for attracting new leads to your business is getting in front of people who have their wallets half open trying to find a solution for a problem they've already identified. That's what you should be doing with your marketing. And, you know, as we spoke about, AdWords is predominantly the place people go these days when they're looking for a solution. It was the Yellow Pages, you know, 
three or four or five or 10 years ago. Now it's AdWords. So no matter what business you're in, you should be working out and at least testing AdWords to see if it's a way to generate traffic for your business. There's a client I've been working with recently and we've been sort of doing a whole bunch of stuff for his business and things like that and he operates in a very, very small niche uh, and a, a very small geographical niche as well. And you know, the first response was, oh, I don't know if AdWords is really going to be the best ROI for me or there's going to be a lot of wastage because there was the thought that if he advertises on AdWords, it's going to have to hit the entire state or the entire country. Whereas what you can do with AdWords that I don't think a lot of people are aware of is that you can actually take your postcode or your longitude, latitude area of where your business is located and say, I only want my adverts to show to people within a 10-mile radius of this um, particular point on the map. So yes, your impressions are going to be very, very low. But if you, you know, maximize your, your advert by putting in your address details and linking it to your Google Maps account, which will automatically give you an additional line of your AdWords listing and put in local words in the actual uh, you know, ad title or ad copy, it's going to get very, very targeted and should be very, very cost-effective and thus give you a very, very good ROI. So no matter what you're doing, I think AdWords can be used very, very intelligently. Yeah, well, let's just clarify there, though. You know, in terms of in terms of return on investment, it, it's very important. Anybody who's not used AdWords or hasn't really thought about it for whatever reason, the the most important and most significant thing about AdWords is you only pay if somebody clicks on your advert. Absolutely, it's it's it's, co- it's, it's what it, it's a model they call cost per click. So. That, that example you gave where you're absolutely super mega, mega targeting your advert, and there's lots of ways of targeting the adverts, but the point is however many times people see it or the number of people that see it or what, what they call impressions, as long as the people that actually click the advert are the people you really want to, if you target your advert well, that's a, a, a good way of doing it. And obviously we'll talk about split testing, I'm sure, as one of your things. Um if you if your advert is well targeted and you only pay if they click it, then that principle in itself is a high return on investment, isn't it? Absolutely, exactly right. You know, it's you know, unlike billboard advertising or traditional advertising where you're paying for eyeballs, you're paying for conversions, you're paying for results, you're paying for response, which is great. Yeah, and that that is it. I mean, look, just for flagging back to the the printer hierarchy for a second, some people see all forms of advertising at the top of the pyramid at that that spray and pray just show it everybody now billboards are the the epitome of spray and pray in in a way because they are you know you don't know who's seen it who's reacted to it what they're doing and who's going to see it but advertising on things like adwords where you can really really target it is as your your your, your back to your example it is finding the people who have already identified that they've got a problem and are actively looking for a solution because they're typing a search into Google and your advert turns up in re- as part of the responses to that search. So it's it's not spray and pray. It is targeted marketing. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess an extension to that, which is sort of, uh, I touched on it before, is, is Google Maps because you know, that's the next extension of that sort of thing because with mobile devices being so prevalent these days, 
that Google Maps is a big part of the people's searching for a solution, particularly if you're in that sort of space that is sort of instant problem, instant solution type of um, marketplace. So maybe you're a takeaway food shop, you're a chemist, you're that kind of thing. When someone goes, oh, I need this now, and it's not really a long, drawn-out thought process, you know, maybe you're a, you're a massage parlor or something like that, um, that Google Maps is a very, very pr- prominent place to be putting your business and, and making making sure you're maximizing this. And this is sort of, I think, something we, we touched on, I think it was in the episode last week, or it might have been a consulting conversation, where you really want to make sure you're maximizing your Google Maps listing because just having a Google Maps listing does not mean you're really picking all the low-hanging fruit. The, the picking of the entire fruit that's available to you is when you actually maximize that Google Maps listing by putting videos and images and content and keywords and really getting everything you can out of that Maps listing. Absolutely. I mean, for me, AdWords versus Google Maps, I would say that Google Maps is even lower hanging fruit because it's completely and utterly and totally free. Yep. A Google Maps or Google Places listing is something that really there's no reason why you shouldn't do it if you have a physical bit place of business, um, which is really the the kind of anchor point for a Google Map or Google Places listing. But it's completely free. And then once you've made the listing or, or once you've started your listing, you're absolutely right. Just having one isn't enough. It, there, there's lots of opportunity to promote your business. And, and this is exactly, we did start talking about it last week because this is, and, and talking back to the things we talked about last week on leakage, there's so many opportunities to add more information about your business, about your services. You can add opening hours, the kind of payment methods you've got. You can add photographs and video. There's so many things you can add. So go, so go ahead and do it because it's all free. None of it costs you anything to, to, to reach more people and to, to give a much better presence for your business when people are searching. Absolutely, absolutely. So that's sort of the the bottom of the preneur hierarchy type of stuff, which is very, very low-hanging fruit. Something else that I, I kind of noted down was just your email signature. And I, it's, it's very sort of simple. And this is, again, not really a, a, a an out-there marketing idea, but from a low-hanging fruit perspective, you know, do you have some sort of call to action on some level in your email signature? You know, Maybe it's just, you know, have you read our most recent blog post or have you checked out this free report or just, you know, have you got a decent signature in there? It's very, very small and, you know, a lot of people kind of just overlook it because it's an email signature. But, you know, you, you might pick up a few extra clicks here and there because it's something that gets forwarded on every day and you do it once and it's set and forget for the next six months or, or 12 months so you look at changing it again. So just something small like that is worth considering. What is your email signature doing? Is there a call to action for a lesser known product? You know, don't necessarily sell the thing that everyone knows about when they, they, they can consider you and your business. But is there something that's lesser known that you offer? Maybe you're an accountant that also offers self-managed 401k or super funds. Maybe, you know, you're a web development company that also offers press release distribution or, you know, you're that sort of business that by educating the clients about the other lesser known services, there's extra revenue for you. And that's coming back to that whole seven levers thing is you're getting more items and more transactions per client per year. Absolutely. And again, that was something, letting your clients know that you you can perform a service, letting them know your capabilities was something that we talked about last week. It, it's another form of leakage. If people don't know you can do something, there's no way you're ever going to sell that service or product. 
You are loving this leakage thing, aren't you? Dude, honestly, I was I, I, I made an entire show out of it last week and I had stuff left over. It's just <laughs> But but yeah, but yeah, going back to the the seven the seven levers and your emails go out to not only new people but existing people. Um you know, and it's that as you say, repeat business. One of my consulting clients does this brilliantly because all of their staff are communicating on the are communicating with their clients on a regular basis via email and lots of other lots of other mediums. But email is a primary part of their business. Just to communicate backwards and forwards, they have standardized. You know, their admin team communicate, but also the the actual people working in the business do as well. Um, and and their signature is regularly updated with you know the latest podcast or the latest interview or the latest newsletters out. They announced that they've updated their website to a new design. They're really on top of this, really doing a fantastic job with it, and it's so effective and it's so simple. It's just a little thing. It sits there and it goes with everything, every communication you make, and it's a great it's a great way. Again, another low hanging fruit, easy thing to do. Yep. Something else that's very, very easy to help your productivity when we sort of think about email is using filters and using, you know, automation around your email inbox because, you know, so many people get so many emails that you just don't really need to actually digest or do anything with. And it just takes up space in your inbox, stress, and a bit of mind share. So putting filters and, and automatic tags in your emails is just a, such a very easy thing to do to just help you manage your inbox a lot better and get on top of that. It's very much a, a low-hanging productivity piece of fruit. So there's a pod, there's a, not a podcast, there's a blog post um, that I've done recently on um, preneurmarketing.com, which is talking about how I kind of reach my version of inbox zero. Uh, and it talks about, you know, using the filters and how to actually get them set up and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, if you haven't got email filters working in your inbox, I uh, highly suggest you, you check out that post or another <coughs> post and um, just look at how that can actually work for you because there is huge benefits of uh, time saving and, and headspace saving you can get by um, putting filters in place. I, I, I have, I have uh, two, two writers to that. One is my, my all-time favorite email filter is the unsubscribe link. <laughs> very true. Very, very if, true. If, if, if it's not coming in in the first place, you don't need to worry about filtering it out now, do you? <laughs> And, and you know what the funny thing is? Is so many productivity experts don't mention that because of the fear that their subscriber is going to unsubscribe from their list, which I find kind of ironic because if you're really object objective orientated as a um, teacher, for want of a better term, uh, if they actually unsubscribe from your list and get more productive, hasn't their time with you been? Effective. So, realistically, you know, as much as I'd hate to say it, let's be you know completely transparent about this. If people stop spending an hour listening to the podcast every week, but actually truly invest that hour properly in their business, working through the seven levers because they know enough about it now, my, our time here is well spent, and we wish you the best of luck. Now, obviously, we hope you don't do that and you subscribe unsubscribe from everybody else because they're wasting your time and not being honest with you. But realistically, like. What's the point of this show if you don't actually implement? And if the only time you can implement is by giving this up to implement, go and implement. But just don't give it up to take up another bad habit. Wow, that was a bit deep. Well, it was, but I'm serious, isn't it? Isn't that the whole objective no. of sort of, you know, what the whole point of learning is is to implement? So 
you know, if, if the way you have to implement is by getting rid of everything, then get rid of everything and, and work on your business and then shoot us an email in 12 months' time when you remember us going, hey, that one thing you told me to say, leave us and go and do something else and, and make it happen and it worked, fantastic. I, I'm not. I, by the way, I am not disagreeing with you. I'm 100% with you on that. Um, I, w- I would like to think that we add value every week. We do. We we bring something to each show, and it adds value, to, and people feel that they've spent the time well. Are you going to edit out that little rant? I am not. It's staying <laughs> in. No, seriously, because I'm going to say it again. I'm with. I'm with you 100%. We are about taking action to improve your business, and if you really seriously can use this. 45 minute window better let's say you you actually stop what you're doing let's say you don't listen to it in the car you don't listen to it while you're walking the dog you actually sit at a desk or wherever and you listen to this and don't do anything else so you don't kind of utilize the time uh, to, to multitask or whatever you know then and you think that this hour would be better spent implementing the stuff from the previous 55 shows or even just the the seven levers go ahead please everyone you know go ahead because i would be i would be happy to know that we'd had a sufficient effect that you got enough from what we do that you can go and implement it because it's about it's about taking action um and and yeah please if you do that by the way do do come back and let us know um just drop us a line mark, mark it in your let calendar one year from now to, to send us an yeah. email and see how you went yeah I'd I'd like to think people will stay with us, and that's I mean that's my personal with that before your your little segue on that one. My 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 personal view is that you should regularly go through the things the the materials that you that you receive, the magazines that you subscribe to, or now it's all email email newsletters and things. And if if what happens is that on any given day you're clicking, you know, in, in Gmail there's an archive button, for example, or a, a or even you know move to folder or whatever. And if every day what you're doing is ticking an email without opening it, ten or fifteen emails, you're ticking them and clicking move to the folder or archive or whatever. Take time at the end of the week, open those emails, open the last few that you got from that person. If they're really not adding any value to you, it's not even worth archiving them. Just unsubscribe, stop them arriving because every time you have to do that, it takes some energy away from you. You know. Use the automated filters to filter things of value that you're going to read later as part of the process. But if you're genuinely not getting value or not going to read them, just get rid of them. Stop it. Yes, Dad. Sorry. Stop it. Stop it. So Stop it. I, I guess sort of the, the whole you know filtering in your emails thing is coming back to, to learning to use the tools you've got. You know that's sort of I guess low hanging fruit. If you're doing something like you're using Office Autopilot or Infusionsoft or some sort of software. Learn how to maximize that because, you know, by actually maximizing the tools you're already paying for and already using could be a very, very low-hanging piece of fruit that you can use to get more results in your business, whether it's more time, more leads, more opt-ins, better margins, whatever it might be, just sort of getting more efficient with that. So that's sort of the, the learn to use your tools thing that I know you're very um, focused on, Dom. Absolutely. and that, But that speaks to something that, that you and I speak about quite a lot, which is very often people will pick up a new tool uh, because it's new and shiny, and think that having a new tool is going to solve a problem when the problem is either either knowledge or process related. It's not tool related, you know. And this goes back to the very very old days. I had a conversation with, with somebody the other day where we were talking about advanced web design tools and stuff like that. And 
they were completely shocked when I said, you do know that actually it's possible and has always been possible to write the basics of a web page with just a text editor. Yeah. You know, the tools that we have and have had for years are incredibly powerful. And there's so many features that we don't use in them. I mean, you know, Gmail, for example. You know, I'm a big Gmail user and Gmail filters. A lot of people just don't use them. We've back to the previous point. They don't even know they're there. Don't don't know what, what they do. Don't know and that. Another tool that we, you and I use all day, every day with our between our between ourselves and between our team, you know, that really, really helps. And I'm gonna somewhere do something about this to, to tell people how we use this is dropbox mm-hmm. absolutely um you know pretty much if you're in business and have any way of have any need to communicate with anybody and certainly to share any kind of information within a team if you're not using dropbox you really are doing something the hard way uh, but at the same time i deal with people new to dropbox every day and they're unaware of certain things that you can do with it they, they they take it as as it's advertised. It's a way of sharing files. You know, you put it in here, it pops up there. But there's some fantastic features to Dropbox that really can enhance your use for it, um, just by learning about the tool. Um, so I'm I'm 100. Yeah, as you say, it's my one of my favorite topics. Learn to use the tools you've got before you start looking for a new one, um, because there's a lot of low hanging fruit there. Absolutely. The, uh, the next one on my list is another Google tool. It seems to be kind of a bit of a Google love, love fest tonight, but um, remarketing lists. And this is something that probably a lot of people aren't aware of. Uh, a function of Google AdWords allows you to create what they term remarketing lists. And, and the concept is this, that you can put a little bit of code on your web page or on your website, and then as people come to your uh, website, they get tagged as a visitor. And that way, you can build up a almost like an invisible list of your web visitors. So you don't, you don't get their email address. You don't get any data about them. All you know is how many people are on this invisible list. And then what you can do with that is you can then run banner advertising across the web directly to the people who have previously visited your website. So let's say, for example, you sell something that has a long buy cycle. So maybe you're in real estate, maybe you're in investment, maybe you're in life insurance or a range of other niches that are relevant where it comes to long buying cycles. They come, they get quotes, they think about it, they come back. Uh, And what you can do is you can basically tag people when they come to your website for the very first time and then follow them around the web with banner adverts, no matter what website they're going to. If that website has banner ads ran by the Google platform, your ads will appear exclusively to those people. So you're getting a very targeted list of people to sell to or remarket to that have already somewhat put their hand up and made themselves um, known as a potential prospect. Now, you can get very, very clever with this. And what you can do is you can make a specific remarketing list for people who went to your e-commerce checkout page but didn't actually purchase. So it's almost like your list of cart abandonment people and then offer them a 5% discount for the next 36 hours. So the banner can say, hey, haven't purchased from us or you have purchased from us 
or you, we, we noticed you haven't purchased and we want to give you a 5% discount or simply just, hey, 5% discount off abc.com for e-commerce purchases in the next 24 hours. So it's a very cool way of building up this invisible list of just browsers to your website because if they come and don't convert or don't opt in, as we talk about in the seven levers, what you can do is still get a chance to market back to them in a very, very cost-effective way. And you know whether you can actually do the banners and, and build that up straight away, um, that's up to you. But I do encourage everyone who has a website to actually spend the, the, the one hour learning how to uh, set up a remarketing campaign. It does take all of about seven minutes. Um, but you know if you haven't done it before, it might take an hour of reading and things like that and getting the code organized on your website. So you're building this list up that can build up for six months and you might get back to it in six months' time. But at least in six months' time, you have this little database of 200,000 tagged prospects you can start marketing back to. Yeah, that I, I have to say that... It, it wasn't really until after you first talked about that, you and I talked about it a while ago, it wasn't until after you first talked about it that I started to notice that. it was. It's a very subliminal thing. You go to a website in response to whatever, and I, the first time I noticed it was actually in response to an advert that appeared at the top of Gmail. And I went to the website, and I looked at it, and I didn't opt in. I didn't do anything particular with that company. I was just interested by their advert. Um and um, then all of a sudden, I just started seeing these banners for that company in various other places that I've been that did banner advertising. And they just kept appearing. In fact, they, they were appearing quite a lot because it was, I think, early on in the service and very few people were using it. So they were getting a lot of a lot of exposure. Um, but it, it's, it's a great – and your tip is really good, actually. I really like that because – to just get the code on your website and start collecting the the notifications that these people have been there before, that is that free? It's absolutely free. It doesn't cost a cent to build a database. Right. So you're building a database of people that at some point have visited your website. So, And then, as you say, later on when you decide to actually do a banner ad campaign, which you will then pay for, obviously, you, you've got actually targeted user data. These are people that have shown an interest in your service. No less. They're already aware of your business. Yeah. So reminding them for whatever reason is great. I think it's a great tip. It's so really can, good. I just want to make a request that um, can everyone please go and visit preneurmedia.tv in about <laughs> two days' time because um, I haven't put remarketing on that site. So anybody who's been there previously, can you just come back? Just, just You can stay on the site for like two seconds. You don't have to, don't have to play around. Just come back and get tagged. That's all I'm asking. <laughs> Or, folks, you can visit preneurmedia.tv because that's where the show notes and transcripts to all the shows are. Oh, so there's more value than just getting our, our remarketing list. Okay. Fair yeah, enough. yeah. Well, that, that's one of those things. That we, we, always, we always recommend that you give value to people if you want them to do something for you. So I'm just going to give you some value there, folks. Uh, you listen to the show. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, so, something else that I've got moving on, um, and that is – Again, something that I think you actually added to this list, which we which we were playing around with uh, recently, loyalty cards. And I know you you're a big uh, advocate for these. Yeah, I just it's again it's one of those really simple little things. We talk about it's a seven levers principle: get people to come back to your store and buy from you again, to get an in a ten percent increase in your number of transactions per customer. You need one customer in ten to come back one more time. 
And a great way to do that is a loyalty card. You go to the local copy shop. It doesn't have to be elaborate. There's loads of different ways you can get these done. You come up with a very simple design. Uh, you could use you know, your word processor or whatever it is. It doesn't have to be elaborate. Um, go down to the, the local, well, go to, go to somewhere and get yourself a little rubber stamp or even just uh, be prepared to borrow an initial on them whatever it might be, something unique, and just get yourself a bunch of loyalty cards and offer them some, offer them to the to the people, customers, stick them in the bag when they buy something, whatever, that come to your store. And the idea is that it, when they fill out and not when they come for a number of visits, you know, it doesn't have to be electronic and clever and difficult. It's just like you come for a number of visits and if you spend a certain amount of money in each visit, which is addressing another one of our levers but they spend a certain amount of money then you tick off the box or sign the box or mark the box with the sticker when the card's full it's worth something it's worth a free something if you're a service oriented like a hairdresser or a nail salon or whatever it's worth a discount if you sell goods it's worth something and the added added low-hanging fruit because we talk about communicating with your customers and finding ways of doing that very few retail stores actually have a way of collecting the names and addresses of the people that visit their store. So a lot of people that we talk to in retail stores, when we say, oh, the seven levers and, and you need to you need to communicate with your offers to your customers and, and talk to them so that they come back and let them know what your new offers are. And they say, oh, but we don't collect names and addresses. It's really difficult. And we suggest loyalty cards because one of the things you can do is instead of just giving the loyalty cards, you can actually get these people to give you their name and address when either when you give them the card or when they give it you for redemption. You say, hey, would you mind filling out your email address or something on, on the back of the card as a way of showing that it's complete and it, it was yours and we got it from you. You've got their email address. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just weird that, um, you know, this is very, very prevalent in the coffee space. Um, Subway do it as well. But, you know, this is what I think a lot of people need to do when they're thinking about their business. And I, I don't know how we could do this as a show, but we could try and work out a way to do this. Talk about cross-industry um, marketing because, you know, if you're in the coffee game, it's kind of just par for the course that you do a loyalty card. It's just like it's just what you do if you're in the coffee game. Everyone does that. But yeah, if true. you're in the hairdressing game, if you're in the, the footwear game, if you're in the indoor spin class bicycle service um, game, it's not a common thing, but why not? And, and this is something that I, you know, it, it always intrigues me that you know, there's, there's so many opportunities for businesses. If they just look at what other industries do as standard and see how they could apply that to their business. So maybe we could, you know, uh, marinate on a on, on, on a, a show potentially one day. Maybe listeners can email in some stuff that they're doing that's unique to their, their industry that, that they think could be applied to other businesses. And we can maybe sort of do uh, an example show with a whole bunch of stuff that's very, very prevalent for certain industries um, that aren't for others. That's a great idea because there really are there's, – there's examples of great business practices everywhere and, and some people don't notice them because they're not in their industry. As you say – coffee shops have been doing loyalty cards and another version of a loyalty card is uh, our local sports center you can go and you can buy a day ticket for whatever the service is use the the sauna and spa or the pool or whatever or you can buy a multi-ticket and if you buy 10 of these entry tickets in one go you get like a massive discount it's like half price 
But in order to get the multi-ticket, you have to fill out a form with your contact details and and you know they've got so they've got you on the mailing list plus also you're basically committing to going back and using the service you're committing to to going and experiencing whatever else they want you to see while you're there again yeah absolutely um and and that's you know that's a sports center most people going to sports centers don't aren't, aren't looking for business ideas they they're looking to well i don't know depends what you go to the sports center for but you know <laughs> Speak but, for yourself. But, I go there to get fit. Of course you do. Of course you do. Um, I, I go. To, I go there to, to look at people like you and go, oh, "Crikey, he looks enthusiastic, doesn't he?" Um. <laughs> oh, mate! If you want to see someone fit, check out um, uh, the, a new book called Finding Ultra by Rich Roll. Now, now, not this is not going to be a Rick Roll. I'm not going to Rick Roll listeners. <laughs> but if you go and check out. Finding Ultra by Rich Roll, which is on Amazon. I think it's on Audible, so audibletrial.com forward slash preneurcast, um, and you can get a copy of that. But this guy is um, one of the 25 fittest um, people in the world, pure vegan. Very interesting. Yeah, do you know what? We're just going to stop talking about that. Uh, I watched I watched the promo video for that, and, and that, that was enough for me. I was exhausted. <laughs> so so let's let's give one more or maybe two more examples before we wrap up because obviously sure. uh, you know, we're getting close to time. So another thing that um, I talk to a lot of people about is upsell raffles. And this is, again, fitting with the seven levers to get people to spend more. How do you get to increase the spend per client, per transaction? And... Um, with a supermarket I, I was working with a while ago, what, what we did there is we actually worked out that their average um, transaction value was a hypothetically, I can't remember what it was, but let's say it's $67 is the average you know, supermarket shop. So we went, okay, let's try and get that to 80. Let's try and increase that by you know almost 20%. So what we did is we then put a raffle available. So at the end of every week, there was a $100 voucher. Um, or a $100 parcel of, you know, a bottle of wine, some really nice chocolates, whatever it might be. And then anybody who actually spent more than $80 in the next week got a free entry into the raffle. So to qualify for the raffle, I had to actually spend $80. So yes, there was people who were already spending on uh, $80 to, to, who got free entries for not doing anything, not changing their habit. And that's fine. But for everybody below that, it was a great way to pull the average value up because people were thinking, well, if extra 10 bucks, yeah, look, why not, I may as well just buy that extra block of chocolate I was going to get or that the extra, I'll, I'll buy the, the 24 roll of toilet paper as opposed to the six roll of toilet paper. And just by forcing people to change their buying habits and their consumption um, process actually got that result of an increased lever. And it's very, very easy to do just working out what, you know, work out the last 100 transactions you've had what is the grand total of that value? Divide it by 100. That's clearly your average transaction value. Jack that up a little bit and give a raffle. It takes all of an hour to set up, and you could find a significant increase in your revenue for the next uh, next you know, 10, 14, 24, 30 days, however long you want to run that raffle for. Yeah, I, I mean that, that's a great a great example. I mean, just just the loyalty cards, as I said, you know, with loyalty cards. If somebody spends over a certain amount, they get a tick in the box. You know that that's a that's an, another way of doing that. Um, pe- petrol or gas stations, depending on where you come from, do, do this. I don't know if they do this where you are, but they do this certainly in Europe. They'll say spend this much, and then you can buy 
this extra thing at a discount. <laughs> it's quite it's quite amazing. You see people looking at it, go, wow, what a great offer. I'll I'll give you more money and then I'll give you some more. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant marketing. But, yeah, but it's it's very, very, very clever way of doing it. But but I love the raffle idea because it's so simple to do. You know, you're not committing to give anybody to give everybody something. You're actually just giving them an entry into 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 a, a raffle. But yeah, it's a great way to increase increase revenue. And the final one is a bit of a, a tie-in of all those last couple of things together, and that's simply having a point-of-sale offer. If you're a retail store, you know having something on that transaction platform where you actually do the transaction to say, hey, buy this, buy that extra chocolate bar when you purchase your gas. You know, very, very simple, easy, low-hanging fruit way to increase the, the items per sale. So that's another sort of seven-lever-related, easy, implementable, low-hanging marketing piece of fruit. Indeed. In fact, you could probably see examples of quite a lot of, of those those things we just talked about if you were to study another business like Amazon, who's yep. one of my favorite online businesses to, to study and see how they do things and then go and copy it. Because I think they might know what they're doing with this stuff. Absolutely. And they do. They do point of sale offer like nobody else. <laughs> GoDaddy? Uh, GoDaddy, yeah. They're less subtle about it, but... Uh, but yeah, they're crazy about that. But uh, that's a great, a great range, as you said. It was not particularly organised into into groups, but it's a great range of things that anybody. I mean, there's something there for everybody, even if you know point of sale offer applies not just to bricks and mortar and, and retail stores, but to online uh, or, or information product sales or whatever it is. You know, some form of competition or some form of offer if somebody spends enough is applicable, um, and and all the rest of them are all, I think applicable there's something there for everybody i think so it's a great great bunch of tips you've been enjoying another fine episode of PrinterCast with pete williams and dom gocher make sure to hang out with the boys online at www.printermarketing.com or drop them a line via printercast at printergroup.com <laughs>